Okay, welcome into the latest edition of Season 2's Limeland Hoops in History. I'm your host, Matt Childers. We're presented by Westgate Entertainment Center, the good folks at Westgate. If you haven't had their pizza lately, check out Westgate Entertainment Center. All right, uh, so this week, a special guest. Uh, it's uh, my former coach, the Hall of Famer. It's uh, Coach Bob Sagerson on the other end of our line here this morning. And uh, welcome in, Coach. How are you, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me on, Matt. You got it. Uh, all right. So um, you're still calling games right now. Did you start back calling games at the University of Northwestern Ohio? Is that fair to say? I did. We do the girls and boys home games, and uh, they got off to a late start. And uh, COVID has really disrupted that program, I think, much more than many of the, uh, the places they, they the boys are off to a tough start. The girls are, you know, flirting with 500. And uh, but uh, I, I, my heart goes out to Caleb Williams, especially the boys program, because he lost some key players uh, in the stretch, had very little practice time leading up to the season. They almost got a big win last night, uh, uh, but uh, fell short by a couple of points. But I, I think they're going to play Monday night and uh I, hopefully they can get a win there. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, and uh, Chris Adams um, uh, was the architect for bringing that program back. Uh, hey, what, what do you remember about the old NBC Tech? Those were the day I played against NBC Tech once uh, at OSU Lima with John Stroy. What, what do you remember about uh, NBC Tech and that program? Um, I remember Denny Elwer was one of the very first coaches there, and they had some pretty good teams. Uh, they played, uh, they, you know, they didn't play in the league they're in now. You know, they're right. in the NAI Division Two league, which is powerful. But uh, they had some pretty good local players would come in and play. Uh, they still played in that same gym. Um, they did, uh, Jim Arnson took over the program for a while. Denny Helmick coached it for a couple of years. So yeah. they finally uh, disbanded it, and then Chris came in. And when he came in, it kind of it went up a notch in terms of competition and recruiting that that type of thing. But the program's been around for a long time. Yeah, for sure. I, I would I would uh, share. It's not easy for a coach, uh, but I would share with Caleb Williams and Coach Adams that hey, look, really extraordinary circumstances that they're under, and uh, you know, use this as a opportunity to train and and uh, you know do your best, but. Uh, you know, you're you're looking. We're already into February almost. It's it's a season where you almost have to point to next year, even though they just started, um, and, and just try and do your best. Almost treat it like a a spring training type situation and see who's going to be playing for you next year. So we wish well, them the best. Matt, I would add to that right now that the NAIA Division Two has given all the athletes a pass so that none of them will lose any eligibility this year. So these guys who are seniors that normally would graduate and move on have the option of staying and playing an extra uh, year. And I, I kind of hope a couple of these guys do that, especially Nathan Lessing, young man from the Sydney area, yes. who has a chance to be the leading scorer in the history of UNOH. But will probably fall a little short because he won't get enough games in this year. Yeah, very good. Uh, lots to get to on this podcast. We're going to focus a lot on uh, the Lima Central Catholic, Lima Senior High uh, Spartan relationship and uh, rivalry over the years. Uh, but before we do that, a cu- couple of quick things. Uh, the Browns, how you feeling today? And uh, how'd you feel about uh, the uh, the 2020 season? Well, they actually exceeded my expectations. I thought they would be more around 500. 
you know, maybe nine and seven, that type of thing. So to win 11 games was was really great. I was very impressed with their coaching and their coaching staff. I think that was the biggest story of the year, to be t- tell you the truth. So they've added a little uh, normalcy to the to the program there. Um, I was happy to see them get into the playoffs and win a playoff game, especially against the Steelers. Yeah. And like most fans going into their going into their second game against the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs, I was thinking, boy, I hope we can just compete. But the way the game played out, you know, a lot of fans were disappointed because the Browns actually had a shot at winning that game. But there's promise there. We used to say we couldn't wait till uh, next year. And, and, you know, we used to say, oh, just wait till next year. Now Browns fans are saying we can't wait until next year yeah. because uh, they should be better. At, but if they don't do some major tune-up on their defensive side of the ball, they will not compete with the best teams in the NFL. Uh, Baker, your quarterback going forward? Yeah, I think he is. I think he deserves that. I think he's uh, um, he's not as flashy as a lot of the top quarterbacks in the league, but I think in the system that he's in right now and the offense that he's in, he, he started getting it, you know, about the middle of the yeah. season. He, 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 he understood what they were trying to do. And remember, he went through four coaches in like three years. Yes, he did. And this Stefanski, this new coach, I think has been great at how he's handled uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. And more importantly, Baker Mayfield has been great in adapting to Stefanski's style. Yeah. And the one thing I like about Mayfield is he's a leader. I mean, you can see he's, a, he's an emotional leader of that team, and I think his teammates have bought into that, and that's important from your quarterback. Okay. Uh, what holes would you like to see filled through the draft or free agency for the Brownies? Well, I, defense, and then defense, and then defense. <laughs> I mean, really, they have to do something at the linebacker position. They're not very athletic there. <clears throat> they're not very fast, and especially in the division they're in. They, they, they're going to get hurt, and uh, they need help. It's a safety position and at quarterback, so their back seven really needs help. And uh, they have some guys who were hurt and didn't play this year that they're hoping that will come back. But when you start putting your money on athletes who are injured a lot, then you have to expect that. So I think they have to really build their defense uh, with at least three new starters and uh, and add depth. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I've, I've been uh, in some form or another over tw- the last 20 years doing some type of radio that would be reporting on the Browns or covering the Browns or talking about the Browns. And uh, I can't remember a time when I was really uh, talking about them, uh, not just pointing towards the draft and waiting till next year. And so I'm guessing as a Browns fan and a, and a lifelong Browns fan that it's exciting to be able to know that maybe there's only three or four moves that need to be made in order to put uh, the Brownies in a pretty good position, uh, especially as you see kind of the Steelers a little bit on decline. I know that's almost heresy to say, but uh, especially for Browns fans, they would never believe that. But, um, you know, you almost have to put the Browns right in that conversation with the Ravens as the top of the AFC North. So, I feel like it's a lot of progress because over 20 years, I've never, ever had this conversation in the offseason. Yeah, it's true. I think that the AFC North, though, is still going to be a bear. I think Pittsburgh will be as tough as nails next year. Uh, I think, obviously, Baltimore will be very, very good. And I just think that the the AFC North will remain one of the toughest, if not the toughest, uh, uh, 
division to find a win in. So it won't be easy, and the schedule will be a little tougher next year than it was this year. So uh, I, I'm just happy. You know, we've been seeing my sons, uh, Mike and Pat and I, and even my daughter Sarah goes to games. We have been season ticket holders for a long time, and through their lifetimes, <clears throat> we've really had very little to cheer for. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever think about cashing in those uh, season tickets and leaving? I would say every year. <laughs> <laughs> and my sons talked me out of it. Yeah, oh, very good, very good. Hey, do you think uh, Ben, Lima Land's own, and uh, Finley's uh, Ben Roethlisberger, do you think he comes back uh, next year? Oh, yeah, I definitely think he comes back. Um, you know, they're putting a lot of it on him when, in fact, uh, the management – really didn't give him much of a line you know when that offensive line in front of you ages yeah. and is allowed to slip a little bit then uh, you're in trouble and so i think if he could get some linemen in front of him and they they'll draft a running back i bet in the first round you know and so they're not relying on his arm all the time he can still play you know for 20 you know for the last 20 years he just destroyed the browns i mean i think he's he's only lost a couple games in that right. entire time so I, you know, I hate the guy as a competitor because he beat us so much, but I admire him, and I admire the Steelers. If I wanted to copy one uh, program, yeah. one ownership program ever, it, it would be the Steelers. I like the way they play. I like the way they treat their athletes. I mean, I just think their their toughness and defense is what made them who they are, and I think they got away from that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, good thoughts. And, and they lost some really key defensive players, uh down the stretch after they were 11 and 0. So, all right, that's a little bit uh, of the football side of things. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let, let's head into, you know, some LCC and Lima Senior High talk. Um, they play February 6th. That's the night before the Super Bowl. Uh, it's a postponement from a postponement, uh, and that's just kind of the the year. Uh, everybody was uh, just so happy to get to 2021, but here we sit uh, with uh, more more and more. Uh, you know, postponements and obstacles in the road. Lima Senior coming off as we uh, as we broadcast this the day after them getting a win, uh, their first game back after uh, five games that had been postponed, and they had not played since the 15th of January, and that was going to be the game that they played against Lima Central Catholic. That game got postponed literally that morning of the uh, 15th. So they'll play on February 6th. Before we talk about this year's team, Let's go back. Uh, you played in the 1960s, and I know what I thought about Lima Senior and how I would describe them in the 1980s. How would you describe Lima Senior when you were growing up and in junior high and then in high school? Well, in the 1960s, uh, senior high was just a few years old because he had merged Central and South high schools together. Uh, they were the dominant team in the area, with a couple of exceptions to Shawnee for a couple of years. They were, and there was only two divisions at the time, Matt, AA and A, and LCC and Senior High were both in AA. Uh, LCC played Shawnee four times in the 1960s. All four times they played was in the postseason tournament. Wow. The first time they played was in the 60-61, and then the very next year they played again. Both of them were in the district tournaments at Bowling Green. I saw both of those games. The 61-62 team actually went to state and beat LCC in a real close game at Bowling Green. I saw that when I was a kid. And that's Lima Senior beat LCC. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. They've they, they won all four of those games in the 1960s, 
and two of the times that they beat LCC was in the uh, tournament where Sheena and I went to state, 62 and, and 68. And so, uh, it, and, and they didn't completely dominate those games, but uh, Senior High was just, LCC was never favored probably the first 20 times they played. Yeah. And, and they just had a dominant program at that time, coached by Dom to Norwood and uh, later on by Jim Romy. They, they were just the, you know, that was the team. And the other thing that happened is they were in a league called the GOL, and they rarely played local teams. You just didn't see that very often. The only time they really played local teams was when, if you met, matched up with them in the tournament. Yeah. Honda Central Catholic had two really good teams in the early 60s that lost to senior high. And uh, they were good teams, but senior high was just dominant. So the baby boomers um, must have uh, played an impact there, where LCC must have been a lot bigger than what they are today. I'm, I'm certain of that. But... Uh, so they were similar size, uh, being in the same. Uh, no. Okay. No. Uh, senior high at that time only had three classes: sophomore, junior, and senior year. Uh, yeah. And they, they had like 600 in a class, literally. Yeah. Where LCC was much bigger in those years than they were, are today. They had a couple hundred in a class. Okay. So I was senior high was probably twice the size of LCC at that time, but we were in the same division. I should mention too that, you know. Bath and Elida, and they were very small schools at the time. You know, even yeah. Johnny, this, before the, the population began to spread out into the suburbs, affecting the enrollment of both Lima Central Catholic and Lima Senior High. Yeah, makes were good games. Uh, I remember when uh, one of the games in 1967, 68, or 66, 67, uh, 68, when Senior High went to state, uh, LCC was coming off some really bad years. And they gave Lima Senior High a scare. And it was like a 91 to uh, 88 game or something like that. And yeah. I remember that game. My brothers played in that game. But Senior High dominated, especially early in the, you know, in the first, the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, and then uh, you mentioned Shawnee in there that Shawnee, uh, they had a really good, just on a little sidebar here, Shawnee had a really good, uh, run there in the uh, middle to late 60s. Is that correct? Yeah, they, they really did. And the, the 66 team uh, or the 65 team went to state. And uh, even from, from there, the next two or three years, they had some great, great teams. The following year, they were in the regional finals losing to a Toledo Scott team, I think it was. And uh, so the basketball in Lima, that, that was one era from about 65 to 70. That's an era that could, you could argue was the most talent-rich era uh, that in Lima basketball, although there's an argument. You could put two or three other eras up, but that little five-year run right there, there were some great players in Lima. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right, so then we fast forward in this, in this rivalry, and it's my junior high years, which would be the, the late 1970s, and that's kind of where I started watching basketball and, 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 and took a loving to it. Um, that was the holiday tournament, and that's what I always knew. And it, in those days, um, it rotated. It, did, it wasn't always played at the old Lima Senior Gymnasium, but uh, it was played at either Bath or Shawnee, or if it was LCC's time to host, we had shared that gymnasium with Lima Senior. Uh, so the early, like the early portions of um, my, my junior high, uh, I fast forward to, which... Uh, I felt like Lima Senior was the dominant team and was always the favorite. And that was just 
a couple of years right before you took over um, yes. as the head basketball coach. Yeah, the, the, the first holiday tournament game was in 71 and 72, and there were 15 holiday tournament games. And in, in that stretch of uh, those 15, LCC won five, and Lima Senior High won 10. So Senior High has always dominated, but just getting a win was a big deal. The first win for Lima Central Catholic actually occurred in 72 and 73. They beat Senior High 77-72. I was an assistant coach at that time. Dirk oh, yeah. Baker and his uh, brother, Tom Terry Mutt, they called him, uh, beat them at the Lima Senior High in the final. And it was a big news at that time because it was the first time in like 10 tries or about seven tries that LCC had won that game. Yeah. And it was the beginning. There were 15 holiday tournament games. And uh, Senior High won 10 and, and, and LCC won five. But many of those games, many of those games came right down to the wire. It you, was just, we've talked about this. Great yeah. In, including including uh, your first couple of years where uh, you won a game that was uh, uh, 65 to 64 in overtime. I think Kendall Nance had a shot there from the right elbow that I recall. This is just on memory. It's, it's not statistics. Uh, and then yeah. you then you won the next year against uh, a, a similar team, Bruce Andrews team. Uh, that team uh, was a 55 to 53 win. Is that is that recall you recall those? Yeah, our wins like the first time, uh, the first game that I played against Lima Senior High was actually at Shawnee. It was still being rotated a little bit, okay. but then they moved it to Senior High. And you're right that that first win was you know it would be one of the top three wins in my career. Yeah. Um, because of what Senior High meant to me and what it meant locally and the fact that it was a great game tied at the end of the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, wow. first over. And then Kendall Dance comes down and hits that shot from the top of the key uh, to win that game. And I've said before, and I've mentioned this in my columns, that when that game was over, I was so exhausted <laughs> that I could hardly get up off the bench. I yeah. mean, it was one of those, you know, coaches are involved in games, they're not running up and down the floor, but you expend some energy emotionally. Yeah. And I just remember I was just, I just felt like I was going to collapse if I got up. I mean, every shot meant something in that game. And it kind of set the stage, you know, for that holiday tournament and uh, being uh, the highlight of the season for many of the fans locally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, um, I remember that game. Uh, uh, you had a guard, uh, JoJo Johnson, Kendall Nance. I think Ron Williams was on that team. And, um, you know, that, that really, to me, was the uh, the launching pad for what became LCC basketball. I think when you started beating teams like Lima Senior and then beating teams like Ottawa Glendorf in, in the tournament, um, that that's when the radar went up that LCC has a program and it's not just a program that's a good program, but then would become kind of the elite program amongst elite programs in Northwest Ohio. Uh, so you must have won, if you said there were 15 games and LCC won five and one was in the 70s, you must have won four of those games. Is that fair to say as a coach? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I won four of those games and uh, – won a few more when in the Lima Cup started. We won a couple games after that, I think yeah. three. And, uh, you know, the thing that I've always had in my heart when people are off my whole career, people would be talking about the great teams in, in the area. And uh, I would always correct people and say, even if they weren't in the same division, people would be saying, you know, who's the best team? And I would always say, you got to start with 
you yeah. got to start with junior high because that really was where the great talent was. And almost, you know, in about every second or third year, they had Division One talent. And so, you know, I've always always put senior high at a, a level of talent. If you could beat them, then you were beating the best. That's the way I always felt. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, all right. So then, uh, the the I, I remember my my senior year, uh, we had barely beaten Shawnee in the semifinal, and and Lima Senior won against Bath, a um, hundred and something to forty something, and uh, um, I remember it because there was only two zeros that they could put on the clock. I'd never seen that before. I'm sorry, on the scoreboard, they could never put three score. Uh, uh, numbers up there, so it was like zero zero four, or it was zero four for Lima Senior, and then Bath was either in the 40s or 50s, and we were a very heavy underdog going into that championship game. Just so happened to be my 18th birthday on December 28th, 1984, and I remember I I was good friends with Andre Reed, I Bobby Jefferson, and Andre Reed, and I rode to the game together. And uh, we ended up winning 78 to 55. That would have been a Ron Neekamp coach team. Sean Allen was on that club. Lee Stewart, the late Ronnie Cooper, a good, really good friend of mine from childhood. Um, and it was just an overwhelmingly great experience. And afterwards, Bobby Jefferson and my teammate, co-captain with me, uh, went to Godfather's Pizza. And Andre Reed came with us. My family had a little, you know, grouping. Uh, my cousins, my mother, uh, my brothers were there. It was a great, great evening. Uh, but we were a heavy underdog. I think we shot, you know, over 60%. Mark Walsh just had a, a great game for LCC. And uh, that was a special game. But that's like two years before it all ends. And the holiday tournament ends. And here's a sold-out, open-up-the-top decks of Lima Senior, uh, both on the uh, the east side and uh, and overall. And uh, and then it goes away. Why, why do you think that what, – what happened there that those things were such a – great uh, uh, venue and a great uh, event for the fan base of a great city that loves its basketball. What, what do you, what do you say about that? Well, obviously we were disappointed. We had heard rumors even the year before that they might not play it. And I, I, my theory is that Lima senior high was in an impossible position. They played in a very tough league, uh, GOL, which is very important. Uh, to the them. GMC at that time, yeah, the Greater yeah. Miami Conference, yeah. Right, and great, great competition in that league. And when they won the holiday tournament, everybody said, well, yeah, you're supposed to win. Yeah. But when teams like Lima Central Catholic, and I think we won three of the last four or four of the last six or something like that, when we were winning, it was like, you know, how can you get beat by LCC? Yeah. You know, or how can you get beat by, you know, Shawnee or somebody like that? And so I think a lot of the thinking was they had nothing to gain by it and that it was it was hurting them because uh they had to go play in these tough league games and here this game was becoming almost more important than that and so the, the decision was made to drop it i know there was some discussion at the time of bringing lida in and just having a, a tournament uh, with them at the you know over the without senior high but that didn't fly mm. and uh, so they waited uh, from 19 1987 86 87 year was the last year of the great Lima Holiday Tournament, and it wasn't until 2002 and 2003, many years later, that they revised it, but not in a format of a four-day team tournament. They just played each other for something called the Lima Cup, and they've done that now 18 times. Wow! You know, that that's actually been played three more times than the Lima Holiday Tournament was played. 
but it's just a one-on-one match. And we were, I was really happy that that happened just because, as you know, the key is getting local teams to play each other, especially when they're good. I've mentioned this many times that how many people would love to have seen De'Aaron Hutchins and, and, and his brother Anthony go against Greg Simpson and Boogie Lyles' teams yeah. or uh, uh, the, 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 the Shawnee team with Jamar Butler uh, going against the team with a young man that went to Michigan State and Travis, played. Travis Walton, yes. Travis Walton, those teams. I mean, people would have broke the doors down to see those kind of games. Yeah. And, but it, it worked out. I mean, it, we're, they're playing now. But, you know, as as the era is, as the years get farther and farther back, people forget the, the great Lima Holiday Tournament team. But those people who played in it, the athletes, the coaches, the fans who sat in that old Lima Senior High gym, which was the mecca, yeah. basketball in this area they'll never forget those games because they were just high wire acts great games yeah i, I agree it, it was why i love basketball so much was uh uh in accordance with the the, the lima holiday tournament and then watching the delphi st john's games uh versus lcc and i still think i was probably i felt like i was probably three foot tall but i would walk in they played it a couple of times at the Elida Fieldhouse uh, on a neutral court, the, the the St. John's LCC game when they played twice. And I, uh, man, I just thought, wow, wouldn't this be unbelievable to play uh, in this type of a, of a setting? And so that's what I felt about the holiday tournament. Um, it's a shame that uh, it didn't happen. But I agree with you. Lima Senior wasn't a no-win situation. But as I always say to a lot of coaches that I've interviewed over there, you know, when you have 22 games, what's a game, you know? What's really a game or two? And, and I know back then it was only 20 games, but still, what, what's a game? I do know that uh, in talking to my contemporaries and, and uh, like talking to Coach Jim Penn, who followed Ron Niekamp, that that league meant a lot to them. And they expanded a lot of energy playing against the Hamiltons and the Middletowns and the Lakotas uh, over the years and Sycamore. And so I get that. I, I understand what they're what they're saying. I just think it's, you know, I'm glad it's back, and I'm glad the Lima Cup is is happening again, uh, because it it's it's um, you know it, it it's really the the reason I have this podcast is because of these two schools in particular, uh, Lima Land Hoops in history is because of Lima Senior and Lima Central Catholic, and then of course all the other great basketball in our area. But uh, the game that uh, is interesting, uh, I was all I've I've always been in Florida this week. Uh, when Lima Senior and Lima Central Catholic usually play. Uh, they've now put that in the late January category. and um, So I, I would always either have to listen on the radio or maybe see a little, you know, uh, a video stream of it. But uh, the game that comes to mind is the Xavier Simpson wins the state championship with LCC folks um, and uh, that great team that, that took place in 2014. And then fast forward to 2016 and, it's the game of the century, so to speak, uh, so far. And uh, LCC is, you know, ranked uh, in the top, you know, one or two in the state. And same with Lima Senior, top five. And uh, Quincy Simpson, the head coach, comes into Lima Senior. And, and Xavier Simpson hits a buzzer beater at Lima Central Catholic, a sold-out Lima Central Catholic that, uh, you know, the shot heard around the world. So that's what I... I know there were other games prior, but that's kind of what I think about when I think about the Lima Cup, coupled with, I think Desi Kirkman hit a similar shot uh, in your era um, against 
uh, Lima Senior in that Lima Cup at Lima Central Catholic. So, you know, share share your thoughts on those those games. Well, if I had to pick one game from the series, thirty six games played between the two schools. LCC has only won twelve of those games. Senior High twenty four, so they've been dominant. If I had to pick one game that, that rises above the other, it's Xavier Simpson's uh, senior year. Yeah. When yeah, I mean that game, well, I think might have been the best, the most exciting, and the most anticipated game in the history of basketball. Toughest line. ticket, toughest I ticket mean, in town. We couldn't get in, and uh, and the way he scored there, and then came back down the floor after you know celebrating with his teammates that came with him, and there's somebody in the lineman who's got a picture of them kind of spread out coming down the floor with Xavier in the middle of it. That that was a great picture, but that that game was memorable. And, you know, Xavier had led Lima Central Catholic to a state championship just a couple of years before. Yeah. And then, you know, when his father became the head coach at senior high, he obviously he wanted to play for his dad. So, you know, that, that was a, a no-brainer. That was a great game. Obviously, the one I, I like to think about was the one, two of them. One was my first win against senior high that we talked about. But the other one was in my last season as a coach when – you know, I had a storybook finish, you know, winning 500 games against Delta St. John's and then winning the state championship. But in that is winning against Lima Senior High in the last second shot at SCC. I mean, that I loved that game because it was the last time I competed against Senior High. And, you know, I always wanted to play against When I was a player in the 60s, we never played Senior High. Mm. But I always dreamed of, you know, how in those years, Imagination played a great role in the development because you played by yourself a lot. You're out, you know, out court shooting. Yeah, you know, it wasn't a year or you know in, in coaches' eyes. And my dream was when I was playing was always either playing for Dayton, you know, a uh, university, or I was playing for LCC against Lima Senior High. Yeah, I mean that was just it. That was in my head. So winning the last game I ever coached against Senior High meant a lot to me. Yeah, that that's almost a kind of a nugget that's missed in your 2010 uh, state championship uh, season, where you know you beat Delphi St. John's, you get the 500th win against you know the probably the arch rival of your your era uh, and and the history of Lima Central Catholic and St. Rose and and the Catholic schools here, and then you uh, get the state championship. But in between there, you get the win against Lima. That's hey, there's the hat trick right there. You know, yeah. I mean, if it, you're if you're gonna call that, that's that. The only other one would have been OG, and I don't know how you did that year in 2010, but uh, those would be the those to me are the rivalries that were created under your tenure. Yeah, and uh, you know another thing to remember about the LCC Lima Senior High game that had the potential to go off the rails because oftentimes you see in big cities when you see a private school and, and a public school that are both very good. A class, they can't play each other because there's too many problems off the floor that cause. But Lima Central Catholic and LCC have maintained a, a really a solid relationship. Competitively, we get after them. And there's no question, you can see fire in the eyes of the athletes when you're playing. But there's a respect for it. And I think that goes back to the days when, like when you were playing and I was playing, that you played a lot with each other over the summers. You got to know each other. You yeah. knew each other. And that's kind of missing today. You, know, you don't see it as much. But uh, the other thing was that, as you know, we've talked about this. Lima Senior High shared their home court with LCC. Yeah. Uh, 
for many years, for the first 27 years that I coached, but that goes back almost you know, 45, 50 years to when LCC started. And so they were sharing the same gym. And uh, it was just a spirit of cooperation that existed outside of athletics that I think fan bases appreciated. And it drained into the way that game was played. It was played at a high intensity level. But yeah. it never went over the top into a situation that got ugly. And, and that sometimes that happens. Yeah. It, it, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that we did play a lot of basketball against each other. And what you did in those days was you, you played a lot of open gyms. You played a lot of, you know, outdoor courts, um, you know, a lot of Bradfield Center type uh, um, scenarios. But also, when we were playing, there was a summer league that was created where you'd take a couple players from each team and then combine them with two players from Lima Senior, two from Bath, two from Shawnee, two from Wapak, um, two from Perry, that type of thing. And you, you, you put 10 guys on a team in the summer league and you coached yourselves. And uh, my, my junior year, I played with William White, uh, the great William White, the former uh, Ohio State Buckeye and, and uh, NFL uh, player. Uh, and I remember he and I would go to Chuck's Pizza afterwards and right down the street and it was down the street from his house. He lived right by Latham and I lived on Lakewood and we'd go share a pizza and share a two liter bottle of Pepsi. And I, that was to me, it was just natural. We, we were we were going to get after it, um, but uh, we, we were buddies, you know, and I think that 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 in those days that helped that summer league really helped. Uh, create create friendships and uh, and uh, knowing each other. So, uh, yeah. yeah, very good memories on all of that. So, all right, uh, fast forward to this year. I saw Lima Senior once against Finley, so I can't be a, a great uh, 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 prognosticator of what they're going to do. Uh, but I, I saw a really good Lima Senior team that had lost 10 seniors last year uh, and had got to – their last game, you usually, if you win your last game, you win the state championship. We were at that game at the University of Toledo, you and I, when they played Toledo start. I believe they won 54 to 52 in a in a great game. That was the March 11th, um, right before everything got locked down or shut down. And uh, as a result, uh, Lima Senior did not get a finish their season like most others that were still in it. 